Did you know the number one cause of methane or greenhouse gases in landfills is your food waste? Restaurants waste so much food. All the food people don't eat, all of the scraps that come from all of your prep, it all gets put in a dumpster and then gets buried in a landfill and as it decomposes, creates methane gas. Well, thank God Jeffrey Ezel and his brother Clay have come up with the compost company. You can now compost your food waste. They take it to their farm. They create organic soil out of it. They then sell that to Whole Foods as well as local farmers and landscapers. So it's literally coming full circle in your community. If you're a restaurant owner or manager, you need to be calling Jeffrey Ezel at 615-866-8152 and they will set you up with the green bags and the green trash cans that they will come empty twice a week. If you work in a restaurant and you would love to have this option, instead of putting food into a trash can, you can start composting. Tell your manager to call Jeffrey Ezel. That's 615-866-8152 or follow him at The Compost Company on Instagram. We are supported by Robbins Insurance, a local insurance agency providing customized insurance policies, sound guidance, and attentive service. Robbins Insurance is the go-to agency for hospitality professionals in Nashville. Listen, Robbins knows how hard industry professionals work every single day. They also know how devastating accidents can be, be it a grease fire that damages the kitchen, a severe storm that cuts off power, or a customer slip and fall incident. Both the extensive experience and the savvy to create a policy that protects your business from accidents like those, you can rest easy knowing that the work you've put in will not be for nothing. Visit Robin's website at robinsins.com to request a consultation or call Matthew Clements directly. His number is 863-409-9372. Protection you can trust. That's Robin's. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. We are powered by Gordon Food Service. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. Fresh off of our trip to Dallas for FS Tech, we are going to do an episode where we update uh, all the cool stuff that we learned and just kind of the, a synopsis of that here coming soon. But today we're talking with Chad Mueller. Chad is the head brewmaster at the Tenfold Brewery in Donaldson, and he's a beer nerd. Uh, when I say beer nerd, like he really, uh, he was really into his beer. He's really into his community. This guy was just awesome. Uh, very educational. If you don't know a lot about beer, he explains the brewing process. You know, a lot of people say that beer is hoppy. Like, what does that mean? What do you do with hops? Do you like? Do you smoke them in the atom to the brew? Like, I don't know what you do with hops, but today he is going to explain all of that. I'm so excited to share this with you. So that is coming up in just a moment. Uh, I will tell you that for all of you people out there who like the bar scene, who like happy hours, but you don't drink, that's a thing. See, so all of us here, all of us sober people that don't drink, we don't really get to 
I mean, there's happy hours and there's like the whole bar scene, but it can be kind of obnoxious. Everybody starts drinking, you're not drinking. So what we are doing, I have joined forces with Kate Madry. If you guys remember the episode with Kate Madry, she is the host of Clear-Headed Podcast and clearheaded.co. She is coming to town and we are going to be doing a clear-headed happy hour. So it's going to be a sober happy hour uh, from five to seven and it's going to be at Mare Bowl. And it's going to be October the 1st, Saturday, October the 1st, uh, from 5 to 7. And it can be longer. It's in our brand new Magnolia Lounge. We have not even started marketing. This is a really cool kind of ultra lounge that we have created at Maribel in Brentwood. And we are going to have alcohol-free cocktails. We have this uh, alcohol-free bourbon, uh, tequila, gin, and a, a it's from a company called Free Spirits. We are also, Untitled Art is going to be supplying us with non-alcoholic beer. I believe she's got some non-alcoholic wine, and then we're going to have lots of food options, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're somebody out there who doesn't drink, you want to go hang out in a really fun setting with a bunch of people who also don't drink, but kind of make it a bar setting, we're going to do that. We're going to do that next Saturday night. So I look forward to seeing you there. I will be there hanging out, having a good time. I'd love to meet you. If you guys want to come out to Maribel next Saturday, October the 1st from 5 to 7, we uh, we absolutely would love, love, love to have you. Uh, Kate Madry is also going to be interviewing me for her podcast. And so you should check out her podcast if you're somebody who doesn't drink or if you do drink. It's just a fun uh, podcast to learn about that culture. And she's doing a fantastic, fantastic job. So uh, follow us on the socials, follow Maribel, get all the details, super fun. And uh, we've got a lot of fun episodes coming up. We just interviewed um, Chris Winters from White Squirrel Farms, him and Hal Holdenbach over at the Lachlan table. And on Monday, we are going to be talking with the owners of Flora and Fauna. And guys, I've been talking about this for a little while. This is the fun, fun, fun interview. I'm so excited to share their story with you. They're just a really sweet couple. And I know that they're going to have a line out the door after this interview because you're all going to go support them because they're amazing. And uh, we just got lots of fun things on the way. So this interview with Chad Mueller is going to start right now. So welcome in Chad Mueller. He is the head brewer at Tenfold Brewing. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. How are you? You know what? If I was any better, I'd be twins. <laughs> and those would be really big twins. Right. Welcome in studio. This is something you love doing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, we really appreciate you having me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'll start off by just saying um, tenfold brewing. You guys have a lot of really cool stuff going on. And I want to... Sh- I, I, you're the first head brewer that I've had on the podcast. Oh, wow. So... We're breaking new ground. Do I get a sticker? Yes. Okay, cool. I'm going to give you a sticker right now. <laughs> you can have a sticker. See, there you go. You ha- Now we've officially been pimped. Oh, this is going on our uh, our beer cooler door. Hell yeah, I got a bunch of them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sweet. So wh- tell me about yourself, man. Tell me your history. You're the head brewer at Tenfold. You right. don't get to be the head brewer at Tenfold by just applying for the job. What's your story with beer? I mean, I did get the... I guess I did get it by applying for it. Um, so but you I had start- a history. Right, right, right. I moved um, I moved out to Tennessee about 10 years ago. 
from? Uh, I moved via Oakland, California. I was out there for like Oakland, s- California. Yeah, I was out there for about six years. Okay. Um, not doing beer related stuff, but getting into beer pretty hard. And so when I came out here, I decided I wanted to switch careers. Got into what were you doing? Uh, I spent about ten years in the photography and graphic design business. Really? Yep. Photography and graphic design design into beer. Yeah. Well, uh, for me, it blends the math, science, and art. When you put those three things together, like I'm all for it, uh, one way or another. Uh, but for me, beer was more active than photography and graphic design. I spent a while, you know, sitting in offices and just kind of like, I just fell out of love with it, you know, and I like wanted to this do something easy else. to do. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to do something else. Um, I got into some retail beer sales here uh, in the Nashville area. Uh, started meeting people. This is around the time that companies like Tennessee Brew Works and Black Abbey um, were starting to open up. So like the beer culture was starting to really grow here. But it have was you still always been young. like a beer drinker? Yeah, very much so. Okay. So I mean, when I was younger, I drank a lot of like I drank anything. But um, well, like we all did like Natty yeah. Ice and you, you drink Milwaukee's best. Yeah. Or the, you know, the cheapest liquor, you know, uh, you know, ancient age or whatever. Gordon's Whatever you vodka. can afford, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as we all do when you're young and, and dumb and broke. Yeah, yeah. You're looking but, to have a good time. But as I got into beer, uh, I discovered that uh, it really seemed like the only thing holding back the variety of beer that was out there were people's imaginations. For certain, you know, for distilling, you have certain practices or certain ways you have to make something to label it a certain thing. With wine, we're held back by great varietals. With beer, it seemed like people were just held back with, like, I don't know, this sounds like a cool idea, and if it works, cool, and if it doesn't, we'll do something else, um, which, was really, which was really neat. There was a lot of, you know, got to see a lot of innovation starting to happen, um, and I was just, and all the beer people I met were just the most jovial people because, you know, usually they've had a few beers in them. Well, and I'm making beer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the process of it's fun, and then at the end of the day, we get to try and drink beer, and like, look what <laughs> I just made, which, I mean, I think that I love, you know, I wrote down math, science, and art. Right. You know, and I want to see where those things intersect because I don't think people think beer, they think math, science and art. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I just touched on the art part of it as far as innovation. And we're just kind of held back by our own creative minds and our own ideas of how to do things. But the math and science, I mean, the the beer, the entire beer process is all chemistry, uh, physics, biology. It's all it, those are the three science. core things. Yeah. That are involved in it. Um, and then math, like math goes along with science very well. Um, math has always been my thing. Uh, and now that I'm a head brewer and I get to like do spreadsheets and numbers, I'm just like, Oh yeah, this is, this is what I want. Yeah. I'm so good at this. You know, um, you probably are like me. Uh, there's a scale that we, we gauge people's logic versus emotion. I'm a 10 in that that's it's the scale of one to 10, <laughs> which means I use logic hundred percent of the time. Right. I don't really, use, I, I'm working on using motion more because that's really important. And I like to use emotion now i'm learning how to use emotion but really math doesn't lie right I, two plus two is always four right exactly and the science the, we've proven these things these things are always going to be the way that they are it's been proven there is a there is a algorithm there is a there's a thing and i love that i love there's something to that that just makes sense it's comforting it's comforting it's really comforting so you you dig that that that's oh, yeah. part of your thing but also the creativity side of that is a little different because that's a little more messy. Yeah. Because that isn't math or science. No. So usually, like, for me, the process is kind of like while I'm at work, like, I'm very, like, very rigid about, like, okay, like, on the way to work, I'm thinking, okay, I need to get this thing started first because while that's going on, I can start this thing. I can do this thing. Everything comes organized. Everything comes together. 
after I'm done with work and I'm home or I'm out hanging out with my friends, that's kind of where I can let loose of that, uh, the more logical side of my mind and just kind of like let that creativity, uh, a lot of times I'll spend, you know, a few hours in the evening, just like sitting in front of my record player, just putting on, like trying to come up with a theme, putting on different records and just like kind of getting lost in that. And that kind of helps my mind just kind of flow over to that more creative side of things. That's where I get a lot of my problem solving done. Um, cause I, as I tell everyone, I'm not about problems, I'm about solutions. So I figure out, you know, okay, what went wrong today? Like, how can we make that better? You know, just kind of, it's like a decompressing kind of thing, but I can kind of, it, it helps me just that, that relaxation helps me just kind of tap into that creative side of the mind. And do then, you smoke? Like, <laughs> like weed? Like do you do cannabis? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, it's a absolute part of the creative process. I mean, I think that when you, you clock out, you sit down, you put on music, like, do you intentionally take time and go, I'm looking for ideas? No, I'm, I'm going to take an hour today and I'm going to put on this old record. I'm going to smoke a bowl and I'm going to sit back and I'm going to think of the new beer. I'm going to think of a new project. I'm doing. Do you intentionally do something like that? Um, it's more of an exercise for me to let my mind kind of go where it needs to go. And generally having days full of a lot of very analytical, uh, very mathematical sort of uh, processes, it generally will flow kind of more to that creative emotional side. Um, so I don't go, I don't, I don't tell it what to do. I just kind of let it, it guide me. And those processes kind of help. There's a lot of chaos up in there. Yeah. Uh, so those processes kind of help like put everything kind of in line. So, and wherever my mind goes, I'm like, okay, so this is probably the thing I need to focus on, whether it's solutions to some issues that we came up in. Uh, do I need to change the schedule Would this part of the, would this work better if I change the schedule like this? Sometimes it's like, oh, that might be really good. We're going to throw that on the pilot batch in a couple of weeks and see if it turns out, you know. What's a pilot batch? Oh, I just have all my old homebrewing stuff there. So we'll do like little 10-gallon batches every once in a while. We, we ha- there's, it's a whole series. We call it the time and temperature series because time and temperature is the crux of everything we do there from brewery to kitchen. Really? Uh, to whatever. Well, yeah, if you think about it, uh, when, you're, when, you're cooking, when you're cooking a burger, the time and the temperature determine how it's going to be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, with beer, time and temperature are very important when you think about fermentation, you think about uh, your mash, um, boil time, when you're adding hops, when you're adding other ingre- ingredients in that boil or post-fermentation, like you got to let the yeast have its time to do its thing. Uh, you got to take care of the yeast. Yeast is a very, very fickle mistress. Um, all right. So let's get technical because right. I, I feel like you just said a lot yep. of uh, a lot of technical <laughs> terms that I understood because... I'm a nerd and I love that shit, but like a lot of people out there listening who enjoy beer or enjoy these things that don't know what all that stuff is. Can you, can you walk me through the process of making a batch of beer? Yeah, absolutely. Like what is beer? So beer is basically fermented grain tea. If you want to think of it like that. Fermented green tea. Grain tea. Grain tea. Fermented. I was like green tea. No, no way. Like. fermented grain tea what's the first thing you need right so basically uh we get barley we get barley that's gone through a process called malting the malting process starts germinating the barley seeds and right before the barley seeds would sprout you throw them in a kiln and dry them out um so let's talk about time and temperature there uh you dry out there's a lot of different ways you you can do a high temperature and a high time to get really dark roasted grains that you have in like your stouts your porters um any of your darker beers a lot of box things like that those things are what are going to give color and sometimes kind of like a roasted, almost coffee-like flavor to them. And that's the barley if you roast it right. more. Right, if you roast it really high for a really long time. Generally, the most of what we use is referred to as base grain. So it's barley that's been kilned uh, lightly for a short, amir- 
a short amount of time. And what that does is, as I'm sure everyone is familiar with um, the whole photosynthesis process, right? Like you germinate a seed. You think. You germinate a seed. <laughs> um, as that seed starts to sprout, it starts uh, creating these carbohydrates that are going to feed it later. And as the th- as it sprouts out of the ground and the sun hits it and it gets water, it starts breaking down these carbohydrates into sugars to feed the plant. Ladies and gentlemen, we have science has entered the room. <laughs> so what we do is we kind of, we stop that process because we want to hold on to those carbohydrates that okay. are in that in that seed, basically, that barley seed. So then we throw them through a mill. We crush them. We don't crush them into a powder, uh, but we crush them to where the middle of that is, uh, the middle of that grain is exposed. And you do and this the, in the brewery? Mm-hmm. How do you crush them? We have, we have a, like a big industrial mill. That oh, nice. Use. I mean, okay. yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of companies that'll do them specifically for like breweries, distilleries, things like that. So when you get the crush right, you have, you keep the husk of the barley intact. Not all grain has husks. Barley does. And that husk acts as like a filter bed. So that's why barley is one of the things that's used the most. Okay. So when you have your crushed grain, you add that and water to a thing called a mash tun because it's the thing you do the mash in. Container. Right. So the mash is just the grain and the water put together. Um, when the water hits the grain, is there a chemical reaction? Is there something? What happens then? Well, it's the... So you want to hit... Like generally we shoot for like between... 150 and 158, 159 for a mash temperature rest. And what that does is it activates those enzymes that are going to start breaking those carbohydrates down into sugars for us because that's what we want. That's the good stuff. So then you add yeast to that. Well, no. Then no. we <laughs> then we separate all the grain. We, we do a process called recirculation where those barley husks come into play there. You recirculate it so the liquid is clear and there you don't have any bits of barley left in there. Okay. If we boil those, then we're going to get tannins, which we want in wine, we don't want in beer. True. And then we'll transfer that over to a brew kettle while at the same rate that we put uh, water, we kind of basically, it's called sparging. It's not like dumping water on top of it, but you kind of spray it. So it kind of sprinkles almost. So it, like it washes any grain, uh, it washes the grain of any like sugars that might be left over. And it gets you up to volume and it gets your concentration of sugars in that liquid down a little bit because um if you just took the mash without sparging you're going to have basically what in tennessee would be illegal beer for a lot of things because it's going to be so so concentrated so that process the rinsing part is called sparging we get into the kettle uh boil it in the kettle and that's when we add hops the longer you add the hops the more bitterness you're going to get out of it the less time you add hops the more aroma and flavor you're going to get out of it and then we take that through a thing called a heat exchange. What's a hop? A hop is a, it's basically, uh, it's a plant. And Does it, it look like a little piece of wheat almost? Yeah, it's a cousin. It's like a cousin. A bud. Yeah, it's a cousin of marijuana. Um, it, they grow on vines and vines though, and they grow like 16, 20 feet tall. I mean, they're huge. Oh. Um, out here, the Pacific Northwest is where most of the hops are grown in the U.S. There's a lot grown in Germany. Um, as as the climate changes, you're seeing other places come out. I get a lot of hops from Michigan. And the terroir of some of those hops that are usually grown on the West Coast are completely different coming from Michigan. And some of them are really, really nice. Um, but, yeah, so those provide bitterness, aroma, and flavor um, to your beers. Uh, they have chemicals in them that the longer they're heated up, the more they convert into a compound that creates bitterness. And some of them have a lot of oils and uh, a lot of different kind of oils that are provide those you know, uh, if you drink an IPA and you're like, oh, this is dank or citrusy or pineapple or coconutty, like those are coming, a lot of that stuff's coming from the hops. Good. You took the words out of my mouth. I was just about to say, can you tell me in this process where, 
like I loved both a West Coast IPA and a juicy, hazy New England style, which is all the rage with your, you know, Beard Iris does the uh, uh, the home style, which everybody likes. Right. You guys probably have something similar to that. Yeah, we do. It's called Groovy Shade. That's our, our that's our year round hazy. Um, Groovy have, Shade. Yeah. All right. I love it. And then uh, we have Business Hippie is our year round West Coast IPA. Business Hippie? Business Hippie. Yeah. Okay. The first time I interviewed, uh, or I guess when I had my in person interview for this job, I was sat down in a room with like four guys that I'd never met. And I was like, this is going to be the most intense interview I have ever had in my <laughs> life. And um, Hunter, who's one of the majority owners. Hunter Hackinson. Hunter Hackinson, who's w- your friend. and We've um, known Hunter for a long time. For Cisco forever. Yeah. He right. knows everybody in town. Yeah, exactly. Um, I walk in, and he's long ponytail, wearing a T-shirt that says good vibes only. And I don't know if you've ever seen Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, but in that movie, there's a point where – like they're having an argument with a guy they're trying to buy weed from and they're like, what kind of hippie are you? He's like, I'm a business hippie. And after talking to Hunter for a while, I was like, this dude is a business hippie. That's what he there is. It is. Like, uh, and so we, that's kind of an homage to, you know, him. I had, so I, I locked and loaded that name for a while until got the job did build out and then like actually started brewing when I finally got the West coast style uh, recipe I wanted to do like dialed in. I was like, all right, this is business hippie right here. I love that. See that that that's the kind of stuff I like to get to on a podcast. I like to get like the the story behind why it's called business hippie. So now we know the the story behind business hippie, and then you also have your West Coast or your East Coast New England style juicy hazy IPA. When in the process of making these beers, what do you do? You make a left turn at Albuquerque. What do you what do you do? So mostly it's the the dry hopping process in them. That was my homage bit. to Bugs Bunny, yeah. by the way. Okay. I like it. No, no, I'm I'm old enough to understand. Okay, got it. <laughs> People are like, the fuck is he talking about? Like, <laughs> no, I I turned 39 last month, so like I'm with it. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the process it's a little bit in the grain bill. Uh, there's a little bit. Of, you use a lot of things like wheat and oats that provide extra proteins in that mash that are going to cause like a haze. Like those, like the more, you know, more proteins that you have, uh, the more like you'll have something called a chill haze, whereas the beer gets cold, it'll, it's going to be a little hazy. But what really gets like the most haze out of it is the difference in dry hopping. With a West Coast style IPA, you're going to dry hop like right at the end of fermentation. What's a dry hop? Uh, dry hop is just dumping hops directly into the fermenter. Okay. So what's going to happen there is you're just going to leach all those good oils that are, that's where you get like really, really aromatic beers. Okay. With the East Coast style, New England style IPA, you actually dry hop during active fermentation. And what that does, there's a process called biotransformation that happens, which causes a haze, but it also gives you like that fresh fruit juice character as opposed to that just fresh fruit character. Okay. So it changes a little bit. A lot of people use uh, oats very heavily in their East Coast style IPAs, which give it that like nice, smooth, velvety, viscous sort of body to it as well. Yeah. Um, I go for a little bit of a drier one myself. Um, I just use uh, barley and wheat in mine um but i also like to be a little bit different at the same time you be like so, everybody else yeah you gotta have a little different shit <laughs> here and there so basically that's that's the that's the biggest like the most of the dry hops go in during active fermentation and then science takes over um and then you cross your fingers and hope you did everything right like you're like you know oh, i did it the same as i did last time but you never know um there's always a little bit of fear that something's gonna go wrong even if you do everything the same way every time and i think it's a healthy fear because it keeps Keeps us on our toes. Yeah, and which is the best thing to be intentional and on your toes and making sure that everything's right. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So I feel like I just learned a lot. Cool. That was awesome. Yeah, I could talk about this all day. We we're gonna do that. <laughs> so I'm glad you're here for that because that that you're you're right on point. Uh, I will tell you. I want to do some promotion. Okay. Because while we're here, we can tell some stories. You got a bunch of cool stuff coming up. Um, first of all, there's a couple upcoming releases that you have. You got a small batch beer called a beer called In the Me. In the mix. In the mix. We actually released that uh, last Friday. Actually, in the me. In the mix. Yeah. Brewed, brewed with Mixtape 615, a group of former soccer club supporters and nonprofits. Proceeds go to Kicking It 615, a nonprofit that teachers that teaches soccer to kids and services a lot of underprivileged folks, right? Correct. Tell us more about that. So we've been um, we've been working with the guys from Mixtape 615. They put on big tailgates before soccer ga- for the home soccer games. Um, have you been to a soccer game yet? I haven't. It's been, it's just, <laughs> oh, no, I want to go. I want to go. I actually just took like, like this past week and I took my first like proper vacation in a couple years. It's just nice. been, Where'd I've you been, go? uh, oh, we went, we went whitewater rafting on the gully out in West Virginia. Hell yeah. It was amazing. It was incredible. Never been whitewater rafting. Oh, it's so much fun. Don't start with the gully. It's, it's like, I hadn't been in a while and I was like, holy moly, what did I get myself into? Is it physically hard? Yeah, I mean, there's the upper gully, which was, we did the upper gully the second day, and in that stretch of 13 miles in between other rapids, there's five class five rapids. Um, our our guide, when we were getting on the water, was like, all right, guys, you know, just make sure to listen to me and, you know, do what I tell you to do, even if I give you a plan, and it might change, so just, like, do whatever I say. He's like, we did have a few broken bones on here yesterday, and we are just like, okay, and a lot of that, like a lot of those rapids can be dangerous with all the, the rocks and stuff that are under there. You just yeah. got, you got to be really, really careful. But, um, do you wear like shin guards or like football pads? <laughs> like, no, no, just I mean, life vests and helmets. Um, we should have worn a shin guard though. One of my buddies at one point got knocked into the boat and his nose contact with my other buddy's knee. So shin guards might've been a, be- a better thing for us to have, but, but that was the closest we got to an injury. We did like a lot of really fun different lines that they don't take like they don't normally take people through. So like we we were like at the end of it, we we're just like, yeah, that's so cool, man. And you're not married. No. You, girlfriend. Uh, I have a girl I'm seeing. Yeah, there's a girl okay. I'm seeing right now. Yeah. Cool. No, I don't know. Yeah. Single guy, you know, I don't brewer, head brewer at 10 fold. Kind of a cool thing. Yeah, we, we don't have a lot of time. No, no. <laughs> it's like. I, I told you it's first vacation in a couple years. Yeah. This isn't like the first one of, of the summer. This right. is the first one in a couple of years. Well, but I've also been really focused on getting the brewery into a really good groove, which I think we're at now. A little over a year ago, I was able to hire an assistant, Clayton. Um, he's been doing a great job taking a lot of the, the cold side work, which we call seller work. He takes a lot of that off my plate. He takes care of the small amount of self-distribution we do around town. So those things I don't have to worry about. I can focus more on administration, growing the brewery, growing the brand, doing doing all these things that That's huge. go well, into being a head brewer. And a lot of the stuff that brings you stress because you're trying to do the actual head brewing, but you also have all these other things you have to do that's like, when am I going to find the time? So having somebody that can help you with that gives you the time, which probably re- reduces your stress. This is how this works with a podcast. See how we just went from like, <laughs> let's talk about in the mix to... We're white water rafting. Yeah. It, it's it's quick and fast. I told you, it goes really quickly. So let's get back to that, though. I want to talk about the yeah. mixtape 615. We talked about so, the soccer okay. club. Yeah. So we, we've we been their official beer for their tailgates this year. Um, That's a full-strength tailgate when you have an official beer. Oh, yeah, yeah. We I mean, were really excited legit. to set up. Like, they came to us with it. Um, one of their members, Logan, uh, runs the Taproom at Craft Brood, and that's one of our 
one of our accounts. And so we've known him for a while. He's a really great guy. Right there off of 8th Avenue. Yep. 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 Great little place. You Dude, used to be the only place to go get like a wide selection of craft beer on tap. Like when I first moved out here, it was like, I was asking people, I was like, so like what bar should I go to? Because I like, like, you know. Beer? Beer. Like more than just. Flying saucer? I mean, I'm not against, I'm not against drinking some Budweiser or some Coors Bank. But, um, you know, sometimes you got to get a little something more. And I've, everyone I, was always just like craft brew, craft brew, craft brew. So um, they have a really good, a really nice setup over there. I got to a point when my, and I, I don't drink anymore, but like my beer drinking days where I did get it. I felt like I was above Budweiser. I don't know. I'm just hoity-toity, but like all of a sudden, like I, I did my level one sommelier in 2003 and I go, the worst part about this is now that I know what good wine tastes like, you know, learning, like developing a palate. Now I can't drink cheap shit. And it just kind of sucks because, like, now that I know I have to drink the expensive stuff, but, like, once you get past a, drinking an American light lager and you know that there's all these flavors out there and all these, all the, the artistry that you're doing, it's, like, it's hard to go to this mass-produced crap. I mean, it can be, but I think it's a little different with beer where the more you know about how beer is brewed and the, no, the more you know about the trouble of having such a consistent product all the time, because there's always going to be little variations in your day on brewing, on fermentation, whatever. There's going to be small variations here and there. Usually they're not enough that anybody will notice. Usually they're not enough that, like, I'm going to notice. But when you have something worldwide on a level that is that consistent, brewing one of the, like, what is technically one of the hardest styles to brew, because there's nothing to hide behind. Like, any kind of any kind of flaws are going to come out in a beer like that really well. So... That's a good point. Anything about that? So it's it is really do you have a healthy respect for what they do? Exactly. I mean, not going into you know like business practices and stuff as like that, but on purely on the brewing scale, like that's that's amazing to have that much consistency worldwide all the time. Um, I have so many different breweries that are distributing. Right, like yeah. Budweiser has an R and D brewery that one of the main things that guy does there is figure out how to make the Budweiser core products in case there's shortages or of any of their key ingredients for that, and that's taking it down like purely to the science level. Like that for me, like I'm like that's pretty cool. Like if I could, if I could get there someday as a brewer, like that would be pretty amazing. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Um, I really like more of the the brew pub style. I like it's more. It's smaller, more intimate. You get a lot more connection with your customers one-on-one. Sure. Um, it's really nice to, you know, be, like, walking through the tap room to, like, go wash my hands or use the restroom and then see people that you know and, like, be able to talk to them, like, regulars that come in all the time. I'm very much about community, um, which is why we got along really well with these mixtape 615 guys. Look at um, how you brought it back. It right do you see around. how you did that? Oh, yeah. You're a pro already. <laughs> like, you, you're like, ah, like, you're a pro. You yeah. got this. Um. But that, that was actually one of the connections that we, we made. We, you know, we sat down to have a meeting with them about, like, they want us to be the official beer, so we just want to work out logistics, make sure that we could provide them with, like, what they wanted. And they were like, oh, we're also a registered non-for-profit. And my ears perked up because, as I was telling you before we started, Let's like, help the community. community service has always been a big part of my life. Um, and now that we've got the brewery in a good groove, like, the, the, the only way we survive is the community coming out for us. Um, and I've always been big on giving back as much as I can, but my kind of philosophy is like, do the best with what you have with the time you have to give back and help other people. Of course. So I was like, okay, I love that philosophy, by the way, I'm absolutely into this. Um, so we, we had talked about making a beer for them for like towards the end of the soccer, uh, season. I was like, yeah, if you guys want to come by, we'll do a little pilot batch, like bring whoever it'll be fun. We'll eat, we'll drink, we'll, you know, we'll homebrew in the brewery. Yeah. Um, so we had a really fun day brewing with them, 
they came up with the idea of the beer they wanted. They took one of Logan's old uh, homebrewing recipes. We threw yuzo fruit juice powder and um, passion fruit, like pureed passion fruit into it. And it came out like it was very, it was very bright uh, passion fruit aromas. We used some like good American citrusy American hops that paired well, really well with that, like really citrusy yuzo fruit uh, character. And that, that just kind of this like nice juicy citrusy characters kind of lingered on your tongue afterwards. Really dry. We used a ton of flaked rice in it. So it was a really, really dry beer. Um, and then, yeah, we put that on tap on Friday and we, we had, we had one sixth of it. The other sixth, the uh, sixth is like just five gallon, five gallon, one of yeah. those skinny kegs. Um, so one of them was for their last, uh, home game, uh, tailgate. And then the other one we put on tap and they selected the, that not-for-profit, um, the kick in at six one five. So we're donating the proceeds from that beer. I think with, I looked at sales right before. Um, I've been gone for four days, so I need to, you know, I need to run my numbers. Oh, yeah. Um, but based on the sales, you know, we're going to be able to donate about $140 to this um, donation-only not-for-profit that uh, is doing stuff that they were really into. So I'm, uh, we're hoping we'll probably keep up that partnership with those guys over the next few years. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I went to a game at Jodis Park. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce it? Jodis. Okay. <laughs> or you can say Geodis. Geodis, like it's like almost like it's a J. Geodis yeah. Park. It's beautiful. First of all, it's beautiful. The food selection is really, really good, and the on-field action is great. I love. I hate going to Titans games. First of all, I hate going to Titans games. Why? Uh, it's not a very good experience. I mean, it's not a good experience for the for the fan. I mean, the fan experience, you go there, it's a pain in the ass to get to the stadium, first of all. That's fair. Right? And then you get in the stadium, and there's, like, the process of getting in the stadium. But then you're there, and it's like there's only – there's not a whole lot of football that gets played. There's a lot of TV timeouts. So you're just watching the players stand on the field. There's a lot of the bullshit advertisements that go on in between the thing. Yeah. And you're always – there's always a guy who's way too drunk that's sitting around you, and he should be the coach because – because he knows exactly how to win. He knows what every play should be, and he is questioning every single thing that happens unless something good happens. And he's like, that's what I said. You shouldn't. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you should be down there with the coach. I don't know. Why, like, do you, I guess after like a 12-pack of beer at noon on Sunday, you that's, why is Mike Vrabel not hammered? Yeah. <laughs> he probably would have won Sunday if he had started drinking at 7 o'clock in the morning. Anyway. It's just a pain in the ass. You got to spend fifteen dollars for a beer. You got to wait in line at the bathrooms. It's just a pain in the ass. Yeah. Jodis Park was fantastic. Parking's a little something to be desired, but like you get in there, seats are comfortable. The view everywhere in the park is great. The action on the field is good. The food is good. The beer is good. Like they have everything that you want. They're supporting local. The only thing I don't like, and you're gonna learn all about that right after this quick word from our sponsors. Starting off with Corson Fire and Security. I keep talking about having a guy. One of the things I love about our advertisers is that I'm introducing you to the one singular person you need to cover that area in your restaurant. If it's dish machines, you've got Jason Ellis. If it's bread, you got Aaron Moso. If you're talking about compost, we've got Jeffrey Ezel, Matthew Clements with... Uh, Robin's Insurance, Paul Hunter with Gordon Food Service. We've just got so many amazing people. And the guy I want to talk to you about today, his name is Kevin Rose. 
And Kevin is your guy for all things fire and safety, which is something that is really, really big. Fire extinguishers, general fire products, emergency and exit lighting, fire alarm systems, fire sprinkler systems, kitchen fire suppression systems. You know, we've been using a company in our restaurants for the last 10 years, and I had them come in and they did a full audit, and we found out that they weren't even doing half the stuff they said they were going to do. So I called them, and they got credit for everything. They said, sorry, we just didn't know you were checking on it. It's like, what is this? So I implore you, give Kevin Rose a call, 615-974-2932, and he will come out to your restaurant and just look over. He can't help you. He can't help you, but at least you'll have peace of mind knowing that another company has come out to do an audit on all of these things. The last thing you want to do is have a fire and not be prepared. The last thing you want to do is have the fire inspector come in and not be prepared. These guys will make sure that you are set. And anytime you ever need anything as far as fire and safety, you know who to call. Kevin Rose is your guy. Again, get a pen and paper. This is his number, 615-974-2932, or you can go to nashvillerestaurantradio.com, click the sponsors tab, and that is where you will find Kevin Rose and Corson Fire and Safety. Hey guys, we just heard from Ellen Peterson the other day with Justice Industries and how they are helping employ the un- unemployable. If they have felonies, if they've got DUIs and they can't get jobs, this is where uh, Justice Industries likes to hire these people and they create businesses around helping them. Just Glass is their biggest business. So if you out there are producing a whole bunch of glass, this is a nonprofit. So what they want to do is they want to come pick up your glass and recycle it. So not only would you be reducing how much glass you put into your dumpster, it's also gonna go and be recycled and you're helping people with jobs. Guys, this is a no-brainer. Email Ellen, that's E-L-L-E-N, at justiceindustries.org. That is your person. Or just go to justiceindustries.org and you can click on a button. Every single account with how much you're picking up is customized, so Ellen is the one that you really want to talk to. Email her again, ellen at justiceindustries.org. Hey, our final commercial today is going to be for Sharpier's Bakery. You know, I've used Sharpier's for years and years and years, and I never really knew where it came from. I just got the phone call, Sharpier's, what do you need? And since I got to know Erin, she, Erin Moso over at Sharpier's Bakery, she's just one of those, the most genuine people in the city. She's amazing. Go back and listen to our episode with her. We interviewed her. She is just kind and caring, and that's the kind of person that you want making your bread, right? Making bread is a pain in the ass, and you are every day. There's flour everywhere. It just takes time, takes up the oven. It's just a pain. Let them do that for you. They're delivering six days a week. They've been delivering for 36 years in Nashville. We all talk about supporting local. We ask our local people to support us. We're local restaurants. This is your opportunity to support a local business. Her number is 615-319-6453. That's Aaron Moso with Sharpier's Bakery. Check them out at sharpiers.com. You want to see what kind of bread they have or uh, go to nashvillerestaurantradio.com. Click the sponsors tab and go to Sharpier's Bakery. Now back to find out what I did not like about Geodis Park. Was the the who like I liked the enthusiasm from the the fan section. Right. Behind the the behind the um I don't know if it's the home side or I'm I'm new to soccer so I'm learning these things. But there's these there's like all these different groups of people maybe these people that kick in at 615 people 
uh, kicking like this one five. They may be one of the groups down there, but there's like four guys with gigantic drums. They're like boom, 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 and they don't stop. Yeah, they don't stop the whole game, and it's forty five minute halves. And you, like by the, like minute thirty nine, I'm like, are they gonna stop with the drums? <laughs> Because that's my head starting to hurt. Like, I just want to watch the game. But the drums are still going. Right. And they stop during, like, the halftime. But then you're like, oh, I can, like, take a breath. For it. Like, hey, how are you enjoying the game? You can talk to the person next to you for a second. But then the game starts back, and it's like, dong, 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 dong. Ole, ole, ole. And, and I, I love the energy, but I was like, dude, I'm old. Yeah. Like, I'm an old guy now. I'm officially old. I watch it on TV. But that's just me because I'm an old guy. Like if I was 25, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, man! I'm into this." <laughs> I would, I would be like, want to be down there. But they go the whole game. It's really, really impressive. There's a ton of energy in the place. Love it. That sounds great. It's a cool thing. I, I'm, I'm all about that. Uh, soccer, yes. <laughs> soccer, yes. I didn't know how it was going to work in Nashville, but it does. Today is September the 13th. Correct. This episode, I have no idea when we're going to release it but it'll probably be in the next week or two. Okay. And uh, so I'm letting people know that today is September 13th. And on September the 14th, which is tomorrow, you're going to release a new uh, beer called Kitchen Hands. Correct. This is a cucumber beer. There'll be a fundraiser for the Nashville Food Project. Harding House and Tenfold will give $1 per pint back to the Food Project. There's an official release on the 14th at the Harding House, which that was last week. So the Harding House, if you want to go to the Harding House, <laughs> when you're hearing this, uh, the Food Project will be there making food on that day on the 14th. Uh, Tenfold's be on site. I will promote that tonight when I do. We're oh, putting you. out a new episode. I'll put that out there so that people can know about it tomorrow. And then um, September 21st, you have Ruby Falls. Ten, the Tenfold's Fest beer is going to be released. Let's talk about the Cucumber Kitchen Hands beer. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for this beer. Let's go. Um, what do you got? So I, if, for those people that aren't familiar with Harding House, they do a really, really, their philosophy behind beer is like very, very hyper-localized. So they're doing a lot of, the, they're using a lot of uh, Tennessee grown grain. When they do fruited beers, they go, or spice beers or whatever, they go out, they pick it from farms and, you know, they go out to farms in Tennessee. They make sure to keep all that stuff local. Those guys spend like two or three days a week just hand processing tons and tons and tons of fruit and whatever they're adding to beer. Um, but they're also some of the best hearted people I think I've ever met in my life. Nate especially is just like one of the kindest people I've ever met in my entire life. And so I had an idea that I wanted to do as I'm trying to do more and more community give back stuff with the brewery. I was like, well, you know, I've, I've had a, I've had a relationship with Nashville food project when I was brewing over at black Abbey. Um, and I really like what they do. There are a lot of really great people there. They kind of use food in a three dimensional way to create community uh, more than just having like a meals on wheels or doing, you know, cooking classes or whatever, like they legitimately have places that will let them, you know, like, you know, th donate like parts of their land and be like, okay, you can grow food here. Um, and they employ a lot of refugee farmers from other countries that, and they're like, okay, these are your plots, like wow, grow whatever. And they sell a lot of stuff. There's a lot of restaurants and stuff around town that will buy things directly from them. So I started talking to Nate about this idea. I was like, hey, man, like, you know, we've been talking about Baruna beer, beer together. I want to brew something for Nashville Food Project. Like, let's start talking. Like, you can ask him about any season for any fruit or vegetable, and he just knows it right off the top of his head. That's me. So I'm the was, same way. Oh, really? Oh, you guys would get along really well. Well, I sold produce for, like, 10 years in Nashville. I was, like, oh, the okay. produce guy in Nashville for gotcha. 10 years. So I'm, I've, 
my produce knowledge is is dumb. Like it's stupid. Like, oh, it's April twelfth. Ramps come out today, and Fiddlehead Ferns and Chantrell. Like I just, yeah. It's the two weeks you can get morels. Let's go hunting for morels. Let's go. I love all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like like Nate's of the same mind and has all this knowledge about it. So we started talking about what can we do, what's going to be in season, like when do we want to release this beer. Um, and we got in touch with the Nashville Food Project people. They gave us a list of kind of the stuff that was going to be coming into season around the time we needed it. We ended up having to push it back a week because it got so dry. Um, but we were, we were like, all right, let's do cucumbers. Like that seems kind of weird, and I think we can make it work. Um, so Nashville Food Project gave us 100 pounds of cucumbers that they had grown. Okay. And then a few Mondays ago. Seems refreshing. Oh, it's, the beer is so, like, it, it's, it's like drinking boozy cucumber water. I mean, it's it's really, really nice. There you go. Like, the cucumber character came out better than, I mean, I didn't know what to expect, but the cucumber character came out so well. I just kind of deferred to Nate. I was like, how do like how are we going to do this? How are we going to process it? How would Where you do you guys add do the it? cucumbers in the process? We talked about. I, I dump them into the fermenter. So I spent a Monday culling and washing and chopping and processing 100 pounds of cucumbers into a puree, basically. And the guys from Harding House came by. And the second they came by, I made short work of it. Those guys do stuff like that so much. They were just like, I think I told them at one point, I was like, I don't know how you guys do this so much because this really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I ask a prep cook who cuts cantaloupes and honeydews all day long oh, or yeah. pineapples, like, you know, Whole Foods where they have all those little, like, those are hand cut. They just sit there all day long and just cut. Like, their knife skills are stupid just sick yeah yeah these guys these guys made short work of it so we ended up with you know all this cucumber puree puree and we just dumped it in the top of the fermenter and once it basically mixed in enough that we had like a really good cucumber character out of it take it over to the bright tank the bright tank is where bright beer is just finished beer so the bright tank is where you put the beer when it's finished and then you carbonate it in there we kegged it off we split it 50 50 so this beer is going to be both on the tap room at harding house and at tenfold um, while supplies last. And it's called Kitchen Hands. And it's called Kitchen Hands. How many how many gallons do you make in a batch like that? So 15 gallons in a full keg, 15.5? 15.5, yeah. Those are a half barrel keg. So I rate everything on barrels. A U.S. barrel is 31 gallons. Okay. Um, we, we have a seven-barrel system at tenfold, so it's a little over 210 gallons every time, uh, depending on weights. Like certain beers, you have more weights, but it's somewhere – like we generally get somewhere between six and seven – barrels per batch that we do okay so you got like six or seven barrels of this stuff yeah yeah we've got we got just a, just under seven barrels total so we split that 50 50 so it's about three and a half barrels each so what about what about like another restaurant let's just say i have two restaurants right let's just say at the green hills grill i'm like fuck yeah man that sounds like a great idea i want to do that how do i support it can i sell your beer on my draft and can i give a dollar a pint to the Nashville Food Project, and can we it, jump in on that, or is that like a no? Have you thought little, about doing that? Well, it gets a little more difficult when you start distribution. Distribution because you distribute at a lower price than a lower margin than what you could do in in house. Oh yeah, and then you have to trust that the people that you're distributing to are gonna keep good track of it and actually donate. Actually donate. And um, then but then the but integrity then it, of it the product it, too. It, well, integrity of product. I mean, we we trust all the accounts that we have. Um do you sell a lot of other restaurants? No. Uh we we do a small bit of like self-distribution. We're kind of looking we look at it as a way to like advertise. 
um, make it just a little bit of money, but also get our name out there more so people know what we're doing. Sure. Um, there. So we just try to have. We've been looking at uh, a few key accounts around town. Hit one part of town. Get two to three accounts there. See how that rolls with production. Once I kind of have an idea about how that's gonna, you know, uh, shift our production schedule over the course of a few months, then it's like, okay, well, we haven't been to this part of town, so let's try them next. You know, and and that's all. Again, the, all that stuff's on Clayton. Um, I'm not a salesperson. Um, <laughs> you I see, I'd be doing a great job here, dude. I can't turn it on or turn it off. It's just it's either on or it's, <laughs> it's off. What it like, is? Like salespeople are always incredible to me because they're just like. They're just like, always hey, on and what's always going selling. on, yeah. man? How you doing? And I'm just like, I don't have that energy every day. Like, I, you know, I, that's why, I, you know, I like to stick myself in the back. If I need to hide from people, I can hide from people, you know. Well, that's a yin and yang. You got to have both. Yeah. Everybody can't be a salesperson. Everybody can't be an introvert. I mean. It's true. We need each other. That's the whole thing. Like, <laughs> everybody hates salesmen, but it's like, we need you to sell our product. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. So he does a really good job on that. But also with the distribution part of it, that restaurant is distribution with the lower margin that you have in a restaurant when you're buying kegs in distribution and then having to do a donation to it it just really for a lot of those accounts it wouldn't really make sense for them financially to do it either sure and for us it's just easier like keep full control over it keep it all in house like and it's you know it's also promotionally kind of a way to draw people into the tap room like this is the only, there's only two places in town you can get this so you either got to hit up the guys at harding house or hit us up at tenfold or, you know, you can start at one and then you can edit the other since we're kind of on different sides of town. You yeah. can hit a lot of like really cool breweries in between if you wanted to, as long as you have a DD. How many breweries are there in Nashville? Oh, man, everyone. I, I should know this by now. I get asked so much, but um, we've got a good amount. Is it competitive? Not really. We're all friends. Okay. It's like yeah. barbecue. Like people are like, oh, which is the best barbecue? And barbecue people are like, I don't give a shit. These are my buddies. Yeah. We all cook hogs together. Like we, we hang out. Like this is what we do. Like. My barbecue, his barbecue, whatever. Like, just go eat, have a good time. Yeah, and same I think, sort of a thing with breweries. Yeah, and I think each a lot of the breweries, like everyone, kind of has their own little niche of the things that they do. So there's not necessarily a whole lot of competition for particular tap handles, or you know, if you're feeling one thing, it's like, you know, if you're feeling if you're feeling like a good Belgian style blonde ale, like you got to hit Black Abbey. And I don't just say that because I worked there before, and I do love all those guys over there. But seriously, the Rose is like one of my favorite Belgian style blondes that I can get locally. There you go. I mean, I don't, I can't, I can't think of a beer that compares to that in that style. You know, if you want, uh, you know, we got beard Irish known for the hazies. We've got Southern grist known for, you know, they're, they're the brewery uh, as one of their, I heard one of their owners say like, yeah, we're the brewery that just throws a bunch of weird stuff into the beer. Um, but, but they do it really, really well. And I actually, I really like their Southern crisp series as well. Like their lager series. I love uh, their company pills. Which is a non-alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. So they, I don't know if it was that one, but they recently won an award. Like they, they like launched the non-alcoholic line and they put it into the Great American Beer Fest and they won a medal. They medaled for their NA beer. It's freaking fantastic. And Untitled Art, I think, has the best other, uh, the best other, they do a West Coast IPA. And the first time that I, (laughs) I was telling somebody this Sunday, I'm watching the Titans game. And like I said, next month in October, it's three years for me without a drink. Mm -hmm. Right. So I didn't drink anything that was remotely like a cocktail for a long time, a year and a half. Right. And finally, I was, uh, maybe it was almost two years. In the past year, I've, I had a I had a Heineken NA, mm-hmm. right? A 0.0 Heineken. And I was like, holy shit, this is really, really good. And then 
I kind of was like, well, let's see what else is out there. And the first time that I had an Untitled Art West Coast IPA, I think I cried. Oh, yeah. Like it was one of those moments where I, I, I had this thing and I took a sip and I was like, this tastes like an IPA. Like I <laughs> forgot what an IPA tastes like. And I was like, I can have that in my life again. Right. Like, and it was like this amazing moment for me because I thought that was just dead forever. And I had mourned the loss of wine and everything. And I'm like, no, through really good brewing the company pills is really good they make a good juicy hazy and they have a italian pills that's really good untitled art are you gonna do do you do anything in a um we don't there's uh you there's a few ways to do na beer but there's only like one or two ways to make it well and that involves a lot of uh very expensive equipment uh, and, okay. and at our size we're already kind of crunched for space um, and there's enough good NA beer out there right now that, so we also do guest taps and we have like guest cans and stuff like that for people to order. Cause there's, there's only so many styles I can cover. There's only so much I can do for my guest taps. I try to keep them all Tennessee as possible, mostly Nashville. Cause there's a lot of, like I was saying earlier, there's a lot of variation in the styles people are doing. People are doing really well. And if I can't do that, or if I can't have a beer on that on, like that on tap because we've got 28 taps and at the i think my record right now is taking 17 of those um we have 28 taps so what i can do is i can hold up my friends and the people that i really love around town around tennessee give them a tap and also have something for our guests that maybe i can't cover so with the na stuff we do there's places that do it really really well so we've been trying for a while to get like I think I think Southern Grace runs out of their NAB really fast because I'm always on. I'm always like every time I see our, their rep, I'm like, "Hey man, when's the next batch gonna be ready?" You know, like we want some, we want some of that because they're like the only place that really does one locally. Do they do kegs of it? Um, I think they just do only cans. They're cans, like a 16 yeah. ounce can. Yeah, the and, tall boy. Uh, and that's what we do. That's what we do for all the NA stuff. Is we have like Hairless Dog and Wellbeing and other places that are doing NA. Wellbeing does a really good job too. Oh yeah, they they They're really really do. God, they crush it. And they have a really good name recognition as well. I mean, yeah. we we moved through a lot of that stuff. NA sales have actually been like on the rise, uh, really hard in the craft brewing industry because I think there's a lot of people describing like what you just described earlier about I miss this thing and I want all the character, and I want all the flavor, but I don't drink or I don't like alcohol or alcohol reacts with my body weirdly or for whatever reason. And now these people can kind of enjoy a piece of their, you know, a, a, a piece of life, a piece of like little piece of pleasure, a little relaxing moment, having a beer after work without having the worry of having to ingest alcohol as well. There's a lot of people, I think, right now in the N.A. world. And I just um, I'm actually hosting on October the 1st at my restaurant, Mayor Bowl. I'm hosting an N.A. cocktail hour. That's oh, a happy cool. hour from five to seven in our lounge. There's a huge movement right now. Right now, there's a huge, huge movement of uh, zero proof or alcohol-free stopping drinking. I think a lot of people through the pandemic, when left to their own devices, sitting at home, realize that they they like to drink. Yeah. And I look at my numbers. I look at my numbers at both of my restaurants in 2021 versus 2022. And I look at 2021, and I'm two points, two percentage points this year. Like, I think at Maribel, I'm 80% food, 20% alcohol. At the grill, I'm 83% food, 17% alcohol. Mm -hmm. But those numbers have gone, they've changed 2% more towards, like, people are drinking less alcohol right uh, right now. And I think that's a overall consciousness of, wow, I just spent a lot of time drinking 
hopelessness during a pandemic to getting out of it and kind of going, hey, look, we're moving out of this thing and people reinventing themselves, quitting drinking. But now I think there's this sober movement that enough people had stopped drinking and realized how detrimental it was to them. I have nothing against alcohol. I have nothing against drinking whatsoever. I think 95, 90, well, I don't know what the percentage of people that drink alcohol responsibly freaking have a great time. But for those who can't, it's great to stop drinking. There's a whole sober lifestyle that's fantastic. A lot of people don't even know it exists. But the, invent, the, the NA culture of all these people creating amazing products without alcohol is really exciting people like me. And I think there's a growing number of people that are like, Hey, I like this. Yeah. This, this is, this is a whole movement. And under, and understanding that is especially being somebody who has restaurants, you got to understand that because we're there to make sure that our guests have as full of an experience as they can. We want to be able to have everything. You can't always have everything, but we try to get close. And if, if the, the equipment's expensive and you can't do that, then you can't do that. But it's good to have options. I'm glad you yeah. carry the other stuff. I go to so many restaurants, so many restaurants, and I'm like, what do you have non-alcohol? And like, water and soda. And I'm like, why don't you have any other options for people that don't drink? And I, I'm not I'm not a complaining one. I don't care. I get a Pellegrino. I love sparkling water. I can drink sparkling water the day I die. This is the greatest stuff in the world. Oh, me. I love it. I am obsessed with sparkling water. I know it's bougie whatever but like that's what i like but if you have if i go there and you go no we have a zero proof menu and you have some different interesting mocktails or cocktails or non-alcoholic wine uh we're gonna have at our happy hour it's something called free spirits which is i've heard of them actual non-alcoholic tequila gin bourbon and we're gonna have a cocktail so you can go yeah. and have like a martini glass with a gin martini that's made with a non-alcoholic gin that's so cool we're gonna do a whole that whole night's gonna be just a night it's gonna be like if you don't drink come hang out at a happy hour with a bunch of other people who aren't drinking yeah that are all drinking you know what i mean like let's pretend like it's a bar it is a bar but there's just not gonna be anybody acting like an idiot right well i mean not from unless alcohol, they and not from alcohol. <laughs> that's a very good point i will still be there and i like to act like an idiot so that's a yeah. good thing I, I will probably be one of those people we didn't hear we're not here to talk about my thing um Fest beer. Fest beer. You have a fest beer. First of all, I love the kitchen hands. If you um, if you can, go to Tenfold Brewing. Uh, Tenfold, you can get a pizza. You can get the whole thing. September the 14th. It's out now. If you're listening to this, you can go right now. It's a cucumber beer. Uh, they're benefiting the Nashville Food Project. I love that you guys are doing that. September 21st. This will maybe be out by then. Okay. September 21st. You're launching Tenfold's Fest Beer, which is called Ruby Falls. Tell me about that. Ruby Falls. Yeah. So uh, Ruby Falls is our Fest Beer. Uh, a lot of people like Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest isn't necessarily a style. Generally, the Oktoberfest beers are either like a Marzen or a Fest Beer. Um, I feel like the name Fest Beer, like everyone kind of gets it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so we released that on the 21st because, I mean, technically this year, the 22nd is the Equinox, but... I always like to release it on the fall equinox as that kind of like transition into it. We're not competing for shelf space with package. So a lot of places release their fest beers, their Marzins, um, whatever, really early because they're competing with shelf space. And, you know, when Sam Adams releases theirs, everyone's got to, but we don't want, you know, if you're worrying about, if you're doing large scale distribution like that and packaging, you have to worry about people getting sick of the style huh. before your stuff gets up, on, uh, gets up on there. 
And for that makes us, sense. For us, we have a little bit of leeway there where we can just wait a little bit and actually release it like in the fall. And generally, it actually sells a lot better releasing it in the fall and you sit on it. You don't sit on it as long. So Fresher, it stays fresh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're releasing that this year. Uh, last year, I used this specialty grain from Riverbend Malting that they're one of the maltsters in North Carolina that does all southeastern grown grain. They have their own um, they have their own Tennessee specific barley and Tennessee specific corn. Uh, but they have this stuff called Munich rye, which is this rye that is malted in a way to give it a little bit of sweet character. Hmm. And I used that in that beer last year. And I was like, all right, this is a fest beer, but it's a little different. And it's like on a different level. And my sister and I were talking about it. And I was like, I think it's that Munich rye. I think that Munich rye is just what like made the beer this year. So this year we switched over to, we're still using that Munich rye, but we also switched all the base malt to all the, that uh, River and Southeast grown grain as well. So it's like, it's like a super Southern beer. Um, it's got a nice, you know, a nice brown, you know, that nice brown color that you want out of your Oktoberfest. Um, it's, and it's got a sweetness to it, but I always brew on a drier side of things. I find a lot of breweries, especially that style, go a little too sweet for my tastes. I don't have a sweet tooth, though. So I always have to find that, like, blend between, like, okay, this is what I like. it's not always what you want. Right. This is what I like, but this is what people want to buy. Um, but I think taking some of that sweetness down, you get a lot more of the subtleties of that grain that we're getting. That grain that we're getting is so f- much fresher than the stuff that we get from, like, the big distributors that, that do, you know, all the, the big names in grain and hops sure. and whatever. That grain that we get from um, Riverbend and from Carolina Malt's the other one that we use that's in North Carolina and doing all southeastern grown grain. They get that stuff. They malt it and they send it out because they're so small volume. And so that stuff is super fresh. Like it smells different mashing, smells different boiling. And then this it makes like all the difference really too. nice, especially we do a lot of lagers, this really nice subtle grain character. Like this, just super fresh, almost grassy, like grain character comes out in it. That's just like, it's, it's something that just makes me like. It just makes me stop and think like, shit, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pat yourself on the back a yeah, little bit, man. Yeah, and our our logger program is, you know, it's proper loggers loggered properly. Um, some some places don't have the ability to tie up a tank for that long, so there are some other ways you can do it. Um, do kind of like the get the same lager character but um but yeah ours is a straight german pilsner yeast i buy all my yeast locally too we've got a yeast lab in town um bootleg biology my buddy jeff uh jeff mello runs this place called bootleg biology they do a great job for for all my yeast needs okay um i'm gonna get i'm gonna throw him a little throw him a little promotion there because i like jeff a lot and do all it guys down there i love um, it um so yeah so it's uh it's it's what you would expect out of fest beer but a little drier and that munich rye comes like with this nice kind of subtle sweetness, but you still get a little bit of that like bready, peppery character that you get out of like rye grain. Um, it's not like punching in the face black pepper, but there's just this like kind of spicy, just like tongue tingling thing in the background that the that really comes. I love comes that. Out. Yeah, it's really not. I'm 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 excited every year for this beer. Well, thank you. I'm gonna break my sobriety today, and I'm gonna. <laughs> All I want to do is don't go drink this now. Don't do that. Don't blame me. <laughs> like, well, that sounds absolutely amazing. If you out there want to drink these amazing beers um, that Chad is brewing, you need to go to Tenfold Brewing. Let me tell you about Tenfold Brewing, how you can go see them. They're located at 2408 Lebanon Pike. Uh, they're in the heart of uh, Donaldson. 
They're open Tuesday through Thursday from 11 to 9. Friday and Saturday, they stay open until 10. Sundays, uh, 11 to 9, they are closed on Mondays. You cannot go drink beer on Mondays. They've got so many amazing beers. they got 28 taps. Uh, let me tell you about some of the taps that they've got here. Uh, Seven-year round, they have flat pedal, an English-style golden ale, Irma Golsch, German-style Pilsner, Howling Winds, that's their Scottish ale, Business Hippie, we've talked about that. That's the West Coast-style IPA. Groovy Shade is their Hazy IPA. Hillbilly Disco is their Vienna Lager. And Feast with Friends is their American Lager. And while the brewery team experiments with a variety of styles, they specialize in and most proud of their lagers and English-style ales. Tenfold beers are also poured in a variety of wholesale partner tap rooms and restaurants in the Nashville area. There's official PR release for what you're doing. If you want to go enjoy those, they would love to have you there. You also do amazing pizzas. Oh, it's not just the pizzas, though, too. Like, the, the kitchen there is... Uh, we have actually a really, really great uh, smoking program there. Really? So, like, wings, brisket, pork, all these things. Um, we were known for pizzas because we opened up during the pandemic, right? We opened up a week that shut up to the city down. So, we're like, what can we do? We can sling to-go beers, and we can sling to-go pizzas through this. But you got all kinds of food now. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've got... Uh, that's why That's why we're here. That's why we're learning right now. This yeah. is what we're doing. We've got a variety of really nice salads. Um, we've got... Uh, we've got the whole smoking program with all these delicious smoked meats. Um, and if you haven't had the wings, like our wings are just, they're so, so good. Um, I, I don't say that just because I work there. I say that cause I genuinely think like if you come and get our wings, you're going to be like, all right, these wings are like up there. Um, but we also, we have like a little bit healthier side with the, the salads. We've got, um, some like grain bowls and stuff like that. We do sandwiches, so it's like, you know, good lunch food where you can just, like, get a sandwich real quick, mow it down, get back to work or wherever you're going. Um, some some people that come in in suits, uh, they they definitely have some some lunch beers with them. So I don't know if they're going back to work or not, but. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they got to do that. A couple know? beers at lunch, right? Tenfold's name is a combination of the word Tennessee and fold. The fold of the Appalachian Mountains is where people gather. It's also the proper way to eat a slice of pizza. And when I interviewed Hunter before, I asked him, he said, I think there was originally there was 10 people in the ownership group. Correct. So 10 was also Tennessee, but also as T-E-N, the number 10, so there's 10 people in the ownership group. So 10-fold was kind of a whole, there's like an Easter egg there Yeah. that I really love. And um, man, this has been so much fun. I feel like I've had a master class in beer today, which I didn't even know I needed, but I did. Like that was so, I, I love when I get to have people in that I don't know. This is my first time meeting you, and thank you so much for taking the time yeah, of course. to thank come so in and do this. Me. Your knowledge is fantastic. I can tell you're passionate. I mean, I think we started off with math, science, and art, and I get it. Yeah, I understand where all three of those <laughs> intersect. And I don't think when you think beer, you think math, science, and art. But now, like, I will forever think math, science, and art. And the next brew, brewer I've come in, I'm going to go, tell me about the math, the science, and the art side of what you do. And he's going to be like, Dude, how did you fucking know? <laughs> That's exactly what we do, man. Time and temperature. Yeah. So this is awesome. Last thing that we do on this uh, interview is we do the Gordon Food Service final thought. I gave you an advance notice today. I thank most, thank I, God. I most time don't do that. But I could tell. I don't know. There's a moment I was like, I'm going to give him a heads up. I appreciate it. Because you don't do a lot of these interviews, do you? No, not right not right now. But you will. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I, think that, I think I'll be doing more and more. Um, kind of moving that direction as far as. You know, getting our name out there a little bit more. What'd you think? How how did this go today? Oh, it went great. 
I mean, I can have a conversation with someone. It's if they try to get me up in front of a group of people and speak, that's where I'm gonna be sweating. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're only you're only speaking to like ten people. Nobody's gonna hear this. Oh, thank God. Let's <laughs> <laughs> multiply that. Um, final thought. Sponsored by Gordon Food Service. Whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say, it, you get the you get to take us out. Chad Mueller, head brewer, tenfold. What you got? Well, I kind of want to touch on something I said earlier about doing the best we can with the resources we have and the time we have to help other people. Um, really, I hope you're all out there drinking beer and being great to each other. Um, I think the more we hold up people that may not be able to hold themselves up temporarily, uh, the better the world is. So let's do good and be good to each other. That's a very pertinent message. Do good, be good to each other. And drink beer. And drink beer. Chad Mueller, thank you so much for joining us on Nash Restaurant Radio, man. Thank you so much for having me. Come back again soon. And uh, best of luck with all of these, uh, the kitchen hands, the fest beer, everything you're doing. Keep us up to date when you guys got new stuff happening. Absolutely. Thanks, brother. Take care. Big thank you to Chad Mueller of Tenfold Brewing. Also, big thank you to Amanda Virgilito over at the Squeaky Wheel PR Company. She's amazing. She uh, represents a lot of these people, and I love it when PR companies send me great ideas. Hey, look, I've got this guy I want you to meet. Let's talk to him. And Amanda does a great job of that, and we just love her to death. So thank you, Amanda, the late shout-out. You're amazing. And I just want to say thank you, the listener, for uh, listening to that. If you like what you hear, please share it. And then go to our socials and follow us on Nashville Restaurant Radio on Instagram. Nashville underscore restaurant underscore radio at Instagram. And follow me, Brandon underscore NRR, where I post pictures of all the random stuff I'm doing. Not a bunch of kid pictures. I have a personal account for kid pictures. This is like work stuff. Like this is me eating out and how many times I go to Eastside Bon Me every week. That's what that's for, because I go all the time. I love that place, and you should too. They're doing a really cool thing right now. Um, it's called the Bon Me Project, and they're doing a different Bon Me every week. Next week, it is Trevor Moraine, and uh, he is at that little restaurant. What's it called? Uh, Locust? Yes, that one. Uh, they just did one with Michael Hanna of St. Vito's Focaccia Harant is going to be doing one from Lyra. They've got all kinds of people. It's really cool. Uh, Julio Hernandez, a bunch of people you've heard on this show is doing a special Bon Me. So go check it out. And then Chad, Chad and Gracie are the owners. Chad's going, they're going to, the last one's going to be a special guest chef that's going to do it. It's a surprise chef that he is going to announce on this podcast. So stay tuned. When you want to learn who the final one is going to be, you need to, you'll hear it here first. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you're safe out there. Love you guys. Bye.